Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. Take the following everyday steps to help avoid the spread of all respiratory viruses. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue. Throw the tissue away and then wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects or surfaces, such as remote controls and doorknobs. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. And stay home if you are sick. Call your health care provider if you develop fever, cough, or difficulty breathing. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. To some, a baby's babbling doesn't mean much, but it does, especially if there's no babbling at all. Little to no babbling by 12 months or later is just one of the possible signs of autism in children. Learn more at AutismSpeaks.org. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Good evening, good evening, and welcome to Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. I know you're like, this is not Saturday. This is a different day. But uh, this is a special edition of the show. I thought this topic needed to be spoken about. It is Autism Awareness Month, and I just wanted people to learn more about what autism is. And so I brought some special guests on the show. I want to let you know you can follow me on Twitter, at Joy Keys. You can also check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. And we're on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys there as well. If you have any comments or questions, concerns, you can email me at Saturdays uh, with Joy Keys at Hotmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Anything you might have to say, if you want to learn more about the program or suggestions for guests or tips, things like that, no, no fear. Send them to me. <laughs> uh, I want to welcome this evening two special guests. Uh, first guest, Kim Kaiser, is a proud mom of a son on the spectrum. She is an autism advocate, artist, and certified peer support specialist and parent advisor with Families Together in New York State. And she's a parent trainer, panelist, and collaborator with the Color of Autism Foundation. Welcome, Kim. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Uh, My next guest is Dr. Lamar Hardwick. Uh, He has an undergrad degree in criminal justice. He has a Master's of Divinity degree, and um, he has a doctorate in divinity degree, and he is here talking about his life, learning that he has autism and what that meant for him. Good evening, Dr. Hardwick. Good evening. So let's start off first. What is autism? Kim, can you talk to the audience about what it is? Well, you know, autism is a mystery wrapped in an enigma um, for a lot of people. Um, but primarily, um, autism is, is it, it consists of a number of different behaviors um, in terms of um, it, anything from inappropriate social interaction to um, things um, such as parallel playing. Uh, if you ever see a group of kids playing in the kindergarten and 
and another child is 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 constantly consistently playing off in the corner um or or just not interacting at all um a poor eye contact um also uh repetitive movements are are sounds that they make that that we call stemming um and also there there can be some cognitive delays in some of the kids, but it is a spectrum. So there, we, we know that these are some of the very typical behaviors. Um, also, there's a, there is some of what of a mental health component that can come, um, anxiety, uh, depression, and most importantly is a lot of um, sensory issues. There's a whole, a whole slew of sensory issues that, um, individuals on the spectrum can have anything from sound, taste, to textures, um, to colors, even, um, and, and just a, a sometimes a visceral reaction to to certain stimuli in their environments. Um, and and it, it's a spectrum. So while some kids right. are profoundly um, impacted by some of these behaviors. There are other individuals, a lot of individuals, who are able to manage um, these behaviors um, and basically adjust to the best of their ability. Dr. Hardwick, are boys more affected than girls? Are African Americans or whites? Do you, do you have any idea about that? Who's affected more? Um, so studies um, have shown that more boys are diagnosed diagnosed in girls, um, although I tend to believe that some of the reasoning behind that is because the initial diagnostic criteria was developed by studying boys. Um, mm. So I'm not certain that, um, that, that it impacts boys more than girls. I think that the, it just looks and it's displayed differently in, in young girls, which is why you tend to see uh, more women uh, and teenagers uh, females being diagnosed later, um, mm-hmm. and the same tends to be true um, with the ratio between um, whites and African Americans or other minorities. Although um, the recent numbers that just came out from the CDC saying that saying that that number that gap is closing, which is good. Um, I also tend to think that um, some of the diagnostic or most of the diagnostic criteria that was used to develop um diagnosis was because they studied young white males and so you have um sometimes differing behaviors based on cultures and subcultures that I think is the reason why some of the gaps uh, have been around for decades but it, it appears to be uh that that gap is closing Kim what kind of coping skills can a parent use when they find out that they're child is diagnosed with autism, um, based on what you're saying, since it is a spectrum, they may be different coping, but just like some generalized things that if you found out, okay, your, your, your friend found out their child has autism, what would you tell them? What were the top three things you would tell them? Well, some of the things that, that I usually tell parents when they contact me and tell me that they have a new diagnosis, that they have this diagnosis, I tell them first, breathe. <laughs> Breathe and 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 lean into what you're feeling right now, um, because there is a level of grief that comes um, to any parent when they find out their child has any diagnosis um, of any sort, especially when they don't know what does the future hold for their child. So, in terms of parents really um, 
learning how to cope, I, I try to help them to focus on understanding who their child is um, and observing their child with joy, observing their child so that they recognize where their talents and their passions and some of their habits lie, really get to know their child, and then also getting to know themselves. Um, Forgive themselves because this is no fault of theirs. It has nothing to do with any fault. This is who God made your child. This is who your child is. So settle. you have to settle into it in your own time. I always recommend that parents get into therapy um, and also um, peer support. I, as a peer support specialist, am able to, say to sit, sit with parents and say to them, I've been down this road. And these are the directions I took. I'm not, te- you know, not to tell you what to do, but this is, I'm here and I understand what you're going through. So the first, the first step in their, in their self-care is about coping through support, um, mm-hmm. finding your tribe, so to speak. And I also tell parents to, to, to learn how to keep their, their cup, their vessel filled. You know, moving forward, is, this is the time for them to focus on self-affirmation, to lean on, on their faith, to lean on the things that help to keep them centered. And if they don't have any of those things, I, I like to help them find what those things are. That, that's going to anchor them moving forward. And, and then the other thing that they need to do, knowledge is power um, and, and self-efficacy is power. So the thing that parents do have to learn how to do is pick up that advocacy hat, especially and most particularly parents of color, and learn how to push and push back. Learn how to ask and ask again. And accept and understand the fact that you are the number one expert on who your child is. The, the, the clinicians and the medical professionals and everyone else is there to support you and have the tools to help you get your child where you know they can, they, the point where you know they need to be arriving at. But it's your job to point out, based upon what you know about your child and what you've seen, where the talents lie. And if the talents are there, make sure someone's helping you to feed those talents where the deficits are. Make sure you push to ensure that somebody is there to help you with the, your child's deficits. So it's, it's about uh, celebrating. I'll- and affirming mm-hmm. as, as well as advocating. I want to mention that the CDC has a great flyer that you can download. I'll, I'll put the link on my different social media, and it's called How to Get Help for Your Child. And it has a step-by-step. Yes. A lot of things that Kim is saying here is talking about making an appointment with your child's doctor. They have a milestone checklist that you can use. They also have a milestone tracker mobile app. I thought that was absolutely amazing. Yeah, they do. And um, they, you're, you're familiar with that? Okay. And yeah. they also talk about what you should talk with your doctor about, writing things down. Uh, like she said, leaning into, you know, making sure people hear what you need. And then also they talk about you listening to what the doctor is saying and taking notes. So that's important. Um, Dr. Hardwick, now what age are most children diagnosed? How early can a child be diagnosed? Um, typically, uh, if you're doing your pediatrician visits, 
Um, I know with, with, with our children, um, somewhere around, you know, 12 to 18 months, they start asking you questions about um, how your child plays. Um, do they follow objects around the room? Um, is there eye contact babbling? And so um, typically somewhere between 12 and 24 months, um, although there are some that are diagnosed later, um, and then there are some that um, will have regressions. Um, and so they will have all the language and then regress uh, at a later age. So somewhere somewhere between 12 and 24 months, sometimes a little bit longer. Now, Dr. Harwick, what is your story here? Because you were not diagnosed at that age. What age did you get diagnosed? So um, believe it or not, I was diagnosed at 36. Um, mm. That was six years ago, so um, um, I'm 42 now. So um, I was diagnosed with what was once called Asperger's, um, which is um, some people still claim it's not an official diagnosis anymore, but it's considered autism, between an autism level one and two, meaning um, most of the diagnostic criteria, the, the primary difference is um, no speech delay um, when you're younger. In my case, we don't know if that was the case. Um, no one in my family remembers when I started talking, so I'm not sure if there was a speech delay or not. Mm. Now, what signs did the doctor see or, or notice, or what did you notice that made you think that you might have autism? Did you think that, or did somebody point it out to you? How did it come about? Um, it was a combination. Um, so I, I've always sort of known there were differences between me and other children. I started to notice that around age seven. Um, but, you know, when you're a child, you, you don't necessarily know why things are different. Um, my mm-hmm. mom does record after I was diagnosed, we sort of go, went through my developmental history, and she, she remembers uh, she just telling her that uh, your son is very smart, but there's something wrong with him, and we don't know what it is. Um, so there are always signs there. I, I was born in '78, so the educated back then, and, and had stigma. Um, boys developed slower than girls. If I had any sort of speech at all, they said it'll be fine. And so everyone around me saw it when I was younger. Um, but because I could talk uh, somewhat uh, proficiently, uh, you know, it it sort of slipped under the radar. And then also we were a military family, so we moved every three years. Um, so no mm-hmm. one expected me to adjust well. Um, so a lot of the things that I struggled with was just talked up to, well, he's having to start a new school every couple of years, so that's why he's struggling. Um, and that may have been the case, but there was still underlining criteria. Fast forward, um, you know, I, I've always struggled. There's a term in, in the autism community among adults called masking, where you just learn how to um, basically mimic behaviors that you see other children okay. and adults do. Um, so you, you, you learn how to fake it. There's a lot of things I never understood, but I learned how to fake it. Um, right. But when I got to uh, a pivotal point in my career, um, I, I hit a wall. Um, I was 
mean, with the high attacks, a lot of other things. Um, when I was hearing from adults, things I had heard my whole life, mother, kids, and teenagers. Um, mm-hmm. And long story short, um, I had a colleague, when I was doing my doctorate, I had to fill out, have seven people fill out an evaluation of me. And his evaluation, it was someone I really respected, um, basically really like diagnostic criteria. The main thing he said is that Lamar has a hard time with social cues. And at the time, I had no idea what that meant, so I Googled it. Uh, and it just took me down this path of reading articles and listening to videos, and I realized this is what people have been saying about me my whole life. And why? Wow. I don't have friends or I had friends I thought were friends or people would be upset with me or it's a lot of depths over my years I never could explain. Um, and so after about a year of doing my own research, I finally got the courage to call to my wife and say, I think I know what's going on. I think I know what some of our issues are. Uh, uh-huh. And we found someone to diagnose me. Uh, and so after about three or four sessions with her and some assessments and talking to my wife and my mom and my sister, uh, she confirmed what I had already a year before detected through my own research. Wow, that's absolutely amazing. Thirty, You're 30 years old and learning that that's what it is. Um, Kim, how about your son? What kind of symptoms did your son show and what age was he diagnosed? Well, um, and in my case was a little different, and I, I thank God, you know, because I started working with um, individuals on the spectrum, mental illness, uh, substance abuse, but I was very familiar with the spectrum. And um, so it was early on, um, he was he was talking, and everyone said, wow, he's really just so talkative. And then all of a sudden, at about 18 months, I mean, about a little over a year, he wasn't really talking. He he wasn't, um, he had digressed so significantly that, you know, I had automatically, real. I just realized automatically, I have to go get him, him tested. Um, and the first time I, I had, I tried to get him tested because he had already had birth to three services. So the suspicion was there. But the first time I had him tested, which, and this is a story very typical of, uh, for African Americans, is that um, I they were they said oh he's 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 got a little speech delay but he's basically um, he has anxiety and um, oppositional defiant disorder. I said well, how is he how does he have oppositional defiant disorder? Um, and mm. which is which is very common that you know, society just tends to default. There are, our view of the black man, you know, it, 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 goes, it goes glass half, half full by the time, glass half empty rather, by the time your child, your young black, black child is, is four or five. By the time they get into a school, people are looking at them and behaviors that um, their counterparts um, might, be, might indicate that they need to be tested for autism doesn't, doesn't always trigger um, with black kids and so it was just an automatic that no he can't be why couldn't he be autistic I don't understand so I so I had to push and um, I got his diagnosis by the time he was seven I got a solid diagnosis which I really needed because that would open up the doors um, to the services that I needed to get in 
um, for him to 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 um, thrive. So it it was a little bit of a struggle, and 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 uh, somewhat isolating. But I I pushed forward, and I and that's also because I knew how to push, um, because I I was I had been an advocate for many years, um, but now mm-hmm. I was experiencing it myself. So it was a matter of channeling all of those skills. Um, for my for my own child, and and which a fear welled up in me when I realized this is not the experience of of other people, because right, they right. you know you, you, you they they push and then they get their answer and then they keep it moving even though deep down inside they know that that may not be what it is. So basically, you really have to follow your gut on these things. Like even Dr. Hardwick was saying, he he knew he he read that comment and he started doing his own research. You you know, even though people were telling you this, he's oppositional defiant. You yourself, Kim, were like, no, I know there's something else going on here. So th- this can be very stressful. So it sounds um, a lo- do a lot of parents do you think go through this, Kim? And you know, is a, that a lot. why you were saying, yeah, yeah. Dr. Hardwick, you know, you, you mentioned something about uh, your wife. You said maybe this is some of the reasons why we might be having some issues. Would you mind sharing any of those issues, or is that too personal? I don't want to. Um, no, it's fine. I've written about it. And, okay. um, so one of what we believe is one of the saving graces. Um, so we met in college, and we've been together since um, 18, 19 years old. She's really probably the only real uh, romantic relationship I've had. Um, she is from Malawi in Africa. Um, and so we just assumed that our communication problems were cultural. Mm. Um, and so from the outset, it made us work harder um, at communicating. Um, but she's, she's a super extrovert. And so we we just always had very different personalities, but we assumed that between our personalities and our and our cultural upbringing, that was the challenge. And so okay, um, that's why we 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 did well. But there are always these um, instances, and um, so most of it was communication. What I know now is that um, you know social cues is a real thing. Um, right, you were, yeah. and so so we've all we've all heard the saying, you know, ninety percent of communication is nonverbal. Um, and I'm not sure it's quite that high of a percentage, but uh, the truth is, if if most of how we communicate with one another is nonverbal, and I don't get that, you can see where I could have a lot of problems with people. Um, right, right. Because you're you're saying things that I don't understand. I tell people that translator in my brain. Uh, doesn't work very well. So my brain doesn't translate body body language, voice intonation. I don't get sarcasm, uh, facial expressions. My own facial expressions don't often mirror the environment. So it looks like I'm upset, angry, uh, that I don't want to be somewhere. Uh, sometimes my voice intonation doesn't matter. And so those are all things that we tend to take for granted when our brain just automatically processes those things. But for someone like me, um, I can have no clue you're upset with me or that I'm supposed to do something or that you're trying to leave or that I should stop talking. Um, and when most of how you interact with people 
um, comes through nonverbal communication, especially as you get old. We talked about with children, as you get older, it gets harder because people expect you to, quote, unquote, know better. Um, yes. And when you don't yeah. have how the did ability you get through, to. How did you get through college? How did you get through college? I mean, you have a doctorate degree. Was that the mimicking um, that you use, the masking that you use, or how did how did through, that work for you? Yeah, through undergrad, um, you know, I, I I played sports. I always kept to myself, so I was always very quiet. Um, I lived in the side of campus in undergrad with a dorm where it was one person, so I was still very much a loner. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't live in the dorm with all the other athletes. I lived by myself. I went to class, I went back to my, I didn't engage in all the other social activities, um, partly because of just what I know now, sensory is a problem that I have. Um, I don't like loud noises, certain smells, it just, I just need to be by myself. So that helped because I could stay focused. Uh, I didn't have a lot of Mm -hmm. distractions, but what I tell parents is what I learned leading all the way to my doctor, the closer I got to being able to choose the things that I naturally gravitated towards, the better at school I got. Um, when I was a freshman, I was kicked out of high school um, for not going to school, which why I know now is that after lunch, I just couldn't handle it. And so I would not come back mm. to class. It was too wow. much stimulation. Yeah. Um, thankfully, about parents advocating. Thankfully, even though we didn't have a diagnosis, my mom fought to get me back in school. But the further along I got in school, the more I was in control of the classes I got to take, the better I got at school. And so I always encourage parents, you know, just hang in there. As your child matriculates, then they'll be able to talk about that special talent. I've always been a history uh, person. I can absorb large amounts of information. Uh, So the thing that it's sort of my specialization uh, ended up working for me because nobody thought, nobody now thinks it's weird that I know a lot about first century church history. You know, if I'm <laughs> nine, you think right. that's weird. Um, it's not weird now because that's what I do for a living. Um, and so um, I was able to do it just because I was able to sort of hang in there, mask, do what I needed to do. There's some parts, honestly, of my, um, of my high school and early college days that I'm not proud of. And I encourage parents to really, especially if you have um, children that have Asperger's or autism level one or what some people call high functioning, be aware of um, drugs and alcohol. Um, and I talk about it in my book. I, I, I became addicted to marijuana because it made me quote unquote, a people person. Mm. Um the right. only problem okay. with that is that you can't do that for so long before it it starts to wear you out. And so I, I had I did some things to try to fit in and to relieve the mental stress and the sensory overload that were not good decisions. Um, and so that would be one word of advice I give to parents is that just be aware of those things because we, when your brain can't handle certain things, your body's going to demand something to help some alternatives right yes now kim are there anything like in terms of legally in the school you were talking about i was so happy that i got the diagnosis then i could get services is that something like public schools but they have to provide services um because i know there's like things like when people get um 
tested for a gifted program or other disabilities. Um, I think it's an IEP, individual education plan. Yeah. It's an, it, 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 you can you you might you will qualify for an individual education and and or you might just qualify for a 504, which is just basic accommodations for um, certain behaviors um, that don't have to be particularly undesirable, but just accommodating the environment for the individual so that they can perform better, such as testing accommodations. Somebody may need to be put in a separate room and have quiet. Um, a mm-hmm. child may need to wear headphones um, at some point during during certain events. That I've made arrangements for individuals to be able to sit in an, a quiet office during assembly, something that they can um, they can tolerate handle. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I so and, and it's different in every state in terms of all, which services you're going to get, but for the most part. Um, when you when you're able to either get the school well you don't you want the school to do the testing um so you your first goal is to go to the school um and usually you will get um some level of testing now that doesn't mean you have to agree with the with the results because right. sometimes schools have a perspective and they're looking schools are looking at how your child is functioning in school um you're looking at how your child is functioning everywhere so I yeah. always tell tell parents, you know, even if you're, if you're on Medicaid, if you are, if you have any, or if you have private, whatever you have, you need to you need to go through your child's pediatrician to get a referral to get to get evaluated by a psychologist, by a neurologist, um, by by any level of professional, especially a professional at your state accepts. Um, that diagnosis and and Kim, and will give you services. Yes, I'm sorry, we we kind of run out of time, but you guys were great. Oh wow! I think you gave a lot okay. of information. Um, like I said, it went very fast. Uh, Doctor Hardwick <laughs> and Kim, thank you so much for coming on the show this evening, and um, I wish Thanks, you both Joy. luck uh, in in your in your lives. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank okay. you. Okay. All right. Bye bye. Okay. Bye bye. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Again, you can follow me on Twitter, at Joy Keys, and you can check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. Stay tuned. A wonderful guest, Natasha Rothwell, is coming on uh, from 730 to 8. Call in. To some, a baby's babbling doesn't mean much, but it does, especially if there's no babbling at all. Little to no babbling by 12 months or later is just one of the possible signs of autism in children. Learn more at AutismSpeaks.org. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.